Hello, I'm Michael O'Toole, crime correspondent with The Star, and welcome to another episode of our podcast focusing on the trial of Jerry Hutch. Now, our usual recap before we get going. Mr Hutch is on trial at the non-jury special criminal court in central Dublin. He is charged with the murder of David Byrne at the Regency Airport Hotel in the city on the 5th of February in 2016. That's a charge he denies. Two men are on trial with him. Jason Bonney and Paul Murphy are charged with helping a crime gang carry out the murder by providing it with cars. It's important to stress neither is charged with murder. But like Mr Hutch, they deny the charges they are facing and all three are now on trial. Joining me to discuss another interesting day in the trial is the Star's Chief Reporter Paul Healy. Paul, hello. How's it going, Mick? I think if my maths are correct, this is the sixth day that Chief State Witness Jonathan Dowdall was on the witness stand. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe, but we're six days now into the cross-examination of Jonathan Dowdall and it doesn't seem to be any end in sight. Um looking like we're going to go all the way to Wednesday which is right before the Christmas break but uh, even at the end of today we were kind of whispering among ourselves that it seems like Brendan Gretchen is nowhere near done with Jonathan Dowdall and we might we might well be watching more cross-examination into January but anyway there's a lot to discuss today um, but we might just briefly touch on on some of what was heard last week now Full disclosure, we were not in court on Friday, but uh, something caught your attention, Mick, uh, in relation to what happened with Dowdall. Yeah, that's, that's right, Paul. Just as you have said in your commentary of what's been going on, Jonathan Dowdall, in his up to then, it was his five days in the witness stand, he really studiously avoided making any eye contact with the accused, Jerry Hutch. Now, just to explain the context is... They are effectively facing each other. They're separated by about 25 feet, maybe 20 feet. Jared Hutch is in the dock with uh, Mr. Murphy and Mr. Bonney. He's uh, he's directly facing uh, Jonathan Doddle, who is in, well, it's the witness stand, but it is normally the jury box. But they are looking at each other. But as you said, throughout the whole trial, he hasn't made any eye contact. But just what caused my cause, or what I spotted on Friday's court copy is at one stage, he pointed a finger towards Mr. Hutch and he said, there's more names for him now. So it's the first time that he seemed to really look in the direction of Mr. Hutch. And he was talking about how, you know, his family is being terrorised by what's happening outside. And he, and he literally pointed the finger at Jerry Hutch. Yeah, and, and that's striking because Dowdall is starting to get quite personal and, and quite angry towards Jerry Hutch in particular. Um, and, you know, that 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 was an interesting piece of evidence we just to just touch on briefly, that um, apart from the threat to his own life, Dowdall was talking about the threats to his family. And it was interesting and, and quite harrowing to hear uh, the claim that his mother had to leave the country uh, due to the threat against her, um, you know, which is... Look, apart from whatever you might think about Jonathan Dowdall, and, and certainly there there are questionable things in relation to his story in the past, but whatever you may think about him as a person, his, his family, his innocent family have been caught up in all of this. Uh, his mother, who was in her, her late 60s, I understand, having to leave the country. I mean, that's that's quite harrowing indeed. So I'm just going to read the, the direct quote. He said, this is wrong. It's more names and enemies to keep him happy over there. And that's a reference to uh, Jerry Hutch. And he raised his voice and he pointed towards the dock and he said, he's terrorising my family. 
if this keeps growing bigger and bigger, I can't keep doing this. Now, look, Paul, as you say, neither of us was in court. You've been there for the whole, the, 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 the rest of Mr. Dowdle's evidence. And from what you were saying to me, you know, most of the time he's quite confident and, he, he's, and he's quite in control. But he obviously sounded extremely angry in that exchange. Yes, I, I would say now today that Mr. Dowdle uh, was again becoming increasingly agitated, I would say annoyed, uh, frustrated at the level of questioning from, from Mr. Gretton. Now, that was the case on Thursday when I was in court, but obviously it, it went to another level when it got quite personal uh, on Friday in relation to the threats uh, to his family. Um, but today was a very similar thing. I, I just, before we go, what was his, we've, we've spoken about this before, but it's something that I'm interested in as someone who's not in court and I presume our listeners be as well. What was, I was going to say, what was the crack out of him today? What was his demeanour? How was his body language? How was he, his attitude this morning? Yeah, well, as you, you mentioned, you know, that, that he appeared to look at Jerry Hutch or pointed at Jerry Hutch anyway on Friday. That is is in contrast with what he's doing 99.9% of the time, which he was doing again today. He keeps his head down, uh, doesn't make eye contact with anyone, doesn't make eye contact with Brendan Gretton. Um, does the odd time look at the judge when he's addressing the uh, Miss Justice Tara Burns, but generally speaking, keeps his head down the entire time. And why that was particularly interesting today is because today was the first time that Jonathan Dowdell was being played the audio, the 10-hour secretly recorded tapes of him and Jerry Hutch. And as you know, Mick, from covering that, they have a transcript that plays on television screens that are in the court. One of them is right in front of Jonathan Dowdell, just above him. I mean... Uh, it, it it's striked and me it's a as, big TV. They're they're they're, they're yeah. both big, you know they're 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 big fifty inch jobs really aren't they? So they're hard to yeah. you know you can't get away from them really. Yeah, it it just it just struck me as noteworthy that Jonathan Dowdell never looked at this screen not once, uh, and and that was actually pointed out by Brendan Gretton, a senior counsel for Mister Hodge at one point. Um, you know, if you care to look at it, uh, so he was challenging him about a particular element uh, of it, and he says, well, if you care to look at it, uh, Dowdell never looked up at the screen. Um, not exactly sure what he was looking at in front of him, but um, he never looked up at the screen. And so that's that's just notable, I suppose, in terms of his demeanour throughout this whole thing. He's never really kept eye contact with anybody uh, at all. OK, so we'll start with the evidence. How did it progress in the morning? What was the first what were the first questions about? Yeah, so before we got into the tapes, uh, we kind of just picked up where uh, we left off in relation to Dowdall's interviews with the guards and uh, that he was answering a lot of uh, their questions. Um, This is put to him by Brendan Gretton. So, you know, uh, he was basically asked, well, why then did it get to the point where he was giving no comment uh, when, when... the, when the matter of the audio tapes came up and some of the stuff that was being discussed in that. And Dowdall repeated a lot of what he's said already that at that point in time it was too dangerous for him to really tell the truth and to tell what he knew about the Regency, about Jerry Hutch, uh, and that his no comments were very much just in interest of his own uh, safety. You know, again, he was challenged about why didn't he tell them about the room? He knew about the room, that he'd booked the room. Again, made the point uh, that he didn't know the significance of the room or who was the room in the Regency Hotel used for at that point. So, and, and the context here is this is when the, I suppose the guards call it the challenge phase, when they play or they tell him about the this the, the bugging of the conversation he had with Jerry Hutch going up and down to the north on the 7th of March. So really it was like a, it was a pretty big gotcha moment. And from my understanding, Brendan Graham said, look, why did you not talk about this when it was presented to you when you were challenged about this? Yeah, so this 
issue of the room it also came up in the tapes uh but briefly and and he uh, was challenged on this as well because uh, you know it was put to him by brendan gretton why didn't you you know um you know you were curious about who was in this room who was this bedroom in the in the regency hotel used by why didn't you bring it up with jerry hutch in the entire 10 hour uh, journey all the way up north uh, um and, and dowdo says that the subject moved on and he wasn't able to to talk to jerry hutch about this again because the subject had been changed but he was challenged on that that he was the one that was most of the conversation is led by jonathan dowdall and it's put to him that you could easily have brought this up again but you didn't but if you were so concerned about you know who was in this room and what was it used for how come you didn't bring it up then when you had 10 hours in the car with jerry hutch and you never brought it up that's a very fair question in fairness to mr Graham, because you're right i listened to the, the bugged conversation you listened to parts of it Jonathan Dowdall does I'm not going to say he controls the conversation but he does ask most of the questions and it is fair you know because he did talk about these famous yokes and it's up to the judges as we've spoken about the, the judges did it to decide and you know come to the conclusion about what the yokes were referring to but he did talk about the Regency he did talk about an awful lot of things but there was no mention of the room No, no mention of the room uh, that was curious but Jonathan Dowdall makes out that really in terms of a conversation with Jerry Hutch that that um Mr. Gretton doesn't really understand or doesn't know who Jerry Hutch is. Uh, and so he was sort of suggesting that, you know, throughout this conversation, it wasn't up to him to necessarily lead where the conversation went. Now, you know from the transcript um, that Dowdall talks a lot, and he does acknowledge that he talks a lot. He says that he was on tablets, and, you know, that, that that's why a lot of the things that he says, uh, he says. But we spent much of today talking about one element in particular on these types this was brought up by the defence but it's in relation to Jonathan Dowdall uh, talking about bomb making and about circuits and all, uh, all of this and we really spent a long time on this because Brendan Grehan wanted to drill down to um, are you talking about bomb making here and what's the context to it um, I, th- I think it's important just to, to linger on this uh, as I said we spent a lot of time about it in court but I'll, I'll talk about it just briefly in that because you know, we've talked about this already there's talk about Trevor Byrne and, and you know potentially blowing him up and killing him there's talk about circuits and all sorts of chat about um, from Jonathan Dowdall about the differences between making different types of bombs this and that um, Brendan Gretton challenges him all, on all of this you know that he clearly has an understanding of all this Dowdall says he didn't know what he was talking about it was shite talk he didn't really understand how to make a bomb at all and that he'd learned uh, it, everything that he was talking about to Jerry Hutch was stuff that he'd heard from movies from TV uh, I think there was a particular program mentioned as well uh, at some point um, in relation to that and it's important to remember as well in relation to television didn't he say that he learned how to waterboard Alex Hurley he by watching the television so it's obviously very instructional challenge ta- channels that he's watching <laughs> for sure um, but, but uh, you know that's that's something he was we spent a good bit of time where Brendan Graham was really challenging Jonathan Dowdall on that uh, in terms of his knowledge on, on how to make bombs um, Dowdall got quite frustrated and annoyed about all this line of questioning because he felt like he was being put on trial. I think he said that at several points today, you know, I feel like you're putting me on trial for things that I said and you're you're picking out certain parts on the audio and you're you're trying to fit a narrative that suits you. And I think Brendan Graham did at one point say, 
I'm not putting you on. I'm putting you on trial for the lies that you've told. And, and again, he's repeated something that he's already sort of said, which is I'm trying to just get to the root of which Jonathan Dowdall we are speaking to and which one we're supposed to believe. And if you think back to the very, you, you were there, Paul, the very first words that Brendan Gren said to Jonathan Dowdall when he was on the witness band, he, he said that he was he was a liar. He, he, he lied twice. So, you know, credibility especially in the non-jury special criminal court because it's up to the judges to decide on the credibility of Jonathan Dowdall. But, you know, it's clear that the credibility of Dowdall is a major plank in the defence's case. Now, we'll only hear, you know, in, in the summing up speeches, but they're obviously going after his credibility here. Absolutely. And so that's why the defence is spending an awful lot of time uh, grilling him on particular uh things in his past is we've talked about the waterboarding incident with uh, with uh, Alex Hurley we've talked about the alleged shooting up of his uncle's home and then on these tapes Jonathan Dowdall says a lot of very incriminating things and now he is dismissing all of this as bravado and that he was trying to impress Jerry Hutch and that he was on tablets but excuse me but we have spent a lot uh, we spent a lot of today you know, really getting into the nitty gritty of those conversations where Jonathan Dowdall uh, talks about bomb making and about having uh, making I'll come to it, but in, er, making a list of people that perhaps the Hutches could assassinate um, and things of that nature. So it was really about just trying to to question his credibility on that front. But Jonathan Dowdall really wasn't having that, and and very much felt like this had none of this, none of these things he kept saying has anything to do with the Regency, and he was getting frustrated how much longer are you going to have me here uh, and and saying things like uh, of that nature really getting very frustrated uh, with the line of questioning I might be interested uh, just what he did what was said about the bomb making I'm, I'm interested in that Dowdall says there was no talk about bomb making it was about electrical circuits that's the first uh, kind of I suppose excuse that he made um, but the more we, we kind of got into it uh, it was accepted that there was talk about bomb making but it, to a degree it was uh, as he says shy talk and that there was there was no real danger uh, Dowdall actually said there's no danger to anybody from me uh, and Graham kind of uh, Got came straight back with him and said, "Well, apart from Mister Hurley, of course." Now that kind of got a few, um, I suppose, smirks around the courtroom because there's been a lot of that kind of back and forth between the two of them, um, smart remarks, so to speak. And Dowdall said, "Well, that's unfair. You know, I've done my time for that." Um, but you know, he talks about um, I, I, I'm paraphrasing here, but he talks about the difference between a, a plastics uh, explosives and and. Uh, uh, a different type of explosive as well and he, he really has an in-depth knowledge or proposes an in-depth knowledge of how to uh, fit a timer and things of that nature and Brendan Gretton is putting them to him that you know these are you appear to have a real expertise in relation to all of this but Dowdall says well anyone who actually understands how to make a bomb would probably be able to to tell you that I'm talking shite that I'm talking crap that nothing uh, that I'm actually saying makes any sense um, so again dismissing nearly everything that he says to Jerry Hutch in relation to that. What was it? But was he talking about fertilizer explosives? Was it or like he talks about he talks about Semtex, you know, and and uh, it being odorless. Uh, and and Mr. Gretton put it to him, you know, is Semtex odorless? And he says, I, I don't know. Well, is it, you're saying on the tapes that it is. And, he, and he, again, he's he's just saying, oh, I just heard that somewhere. That was the TV show. He said, I heard it on Border Patrol or something like that. Uh, and Mr. Gretton got it got frustrated with him and said, "Will you just t- admit the truth? Will you just tell the truth of what you're talking about here? That it's about bomb making." Um, 
you know, he, he's talking about things like chemical reactions and things uh, that that he had demonstrated and he was willing to demonstrate. Uh, and, and Dowdall said, you know, I told Jerry Hutch about it. I never demonstrated it. He never intended to demonstrate it. Um, and that the conversation about making bombs, you know, isn't real. Uh, later, he, he kind of it, it was almost missed by some of the reporters in the room because he kind of just said it quite quickly. But he said that he would uh, he would sooner take his own life uh, than actually, um, you know, than actually plant explosives and actually be involved in making and planting explosives. He said that he would sooner take his own life uh, than than take part than participate in that at all. So, so really, his. I don't know if defence is the right word, but his counter argument to the Grehan line of attack is that it was all bravado. And he was, as you say, shite talking, really. Yes, and, and we, we got that a number of times. Uh, later in the day, uh, a portion of the tapes are played in relation to a sister of, of David Byrne, uh, who we know was murdered in the Regency. The sister is uh, Joanne Kavanagh. She's married to Thomas Bomber Kavanagh, um, one of the senior members of the Kinahan cartel. And there's a reference in these tapes uh, where... Um, Mr. Dowdall and Mr. Hutch are discussing Bomber Kavanagh and, and Dowdall brings up Bomber's wife and says that he knows or he's heard that she goes to this um, dancing event in Ennis in County Meath and he suggests that perhaps, uh, you know, she could be grabbed there, that you could grab her there uh, and Mr. Grattan puts it to him that you're you're saying in this uh, tape to Mr. Hutch that you can have uh, the sister of David Byrne kidnapped uh, and and that it, it suggested that he could get somebody to do it, and he says, "Well, this is your IRA friends that you're suggesting uh, could kidnap the, the sister of David Byrne." Again, John Dendeldal says that's all bravado. It's shy talk. He shouldn't have said it. He's very sorry to the family of David Byrne for any offence caused. He called it locker room talk, um, you know, and and that none of it was real. Um, again, that also came up in relation to another thing we talked about, Alan Ryan. We mentioned Alan Ryan already, uh, murdered real IRA boss. Uh, there was talk about bringing him in. Uh, f- sorry, there was talk by Dowdall about bringing him into a dispute. Um, somebody had come to him and said that they had an issue, um, and and somehow Jonathan Dowdall got Alan Ryan involved. Um, now on the tape, Dowdall is saying that Alan Ryan gave a particular individual a clatter, and that Dowdall himself grabbed this individual by the throat. Today, he said that that was bravado. Again, uh, he he said there was some truth to the issue in that someone had come to him with an issue and that uh, the issue was resolved with the help of Alan Ryan. But the stuff about clattering the guy and the stuff about his own involvement in terms of uh, putting his hands on somebody, he said he basically just made that up to impress Jerry Hutch. So in each of these scenarios, Dowdall is downplaying his role Whereas in the tapes, uh, he, he's very much hands-on, uh, involved with some very heavy figures. And that was pointed out to him by Mr. Grattan, um, that it appeared that, that he was quite in there with Alan Ryan. He said, this is another episode with the Ryans, Alan Ryan and Vincent Ryan, both now murdered, very senior, a real IRA uh, gangland figures. And he was putting it to him that if you're to believe what he's saying on the tapes, it seems as though Jonathan Dowdall had the ability to boss around the likes of Alan Ryan and, and Vincent Ryan. This really annoyed Jonathan Dowdall. Uh, he went, oh Jesus. He just kind of went, oh Jesus. Uh, and he said, uh, that that is the most ridiculous thing uh, that you've said to me so far, Mr. Gretton. I remember him saying that. So he was just, he was getting 
uh, very frustrated. And, and I think I can remember him saying, um, I'm going to paraphrase because I can't remember the exact quote, don't have it in front of me. But he said something to the effect of, you know, you're really trying to pinpoint me on certain issues. And then he said, well, perhaps it's not you, it's your it's your client. And I know that he can be quite hard. Uh, it, you know, again, kind of a little sly dig at Jerry Hutch uh, in that regard, in that he was suggesting it's really Jerry Hutch that is making you ask me all of these questions and trying to nail me down on on, on all of this. Okay, so just for, for context, very, very quickly, Alan Ryan was the leader of the Real IRA in Dublin. He was extorting money from criminal elements around 2000, 2011. And those criminals struck back in September 2012 and shot him dead in Dunamede. His brother Vincent was shot dead in early 2016, shortly after the Regency. And he's one of the 18 murders that we've attributed to the Kinnan Hutch feud. Uh, the belief is that he was killed by the, the, the Kinnan cartel. But uh, I think we move on. There was you, you were mentioning there's an interesting aspect about a meetup in the park. Yeah, we know about the meetup in the park, you know, but just referenced again today, uh, the meetup in the park in Whitehall where Jonathan Dowdall says Jerry Hutch confessed to him. Well, the defence put it to him, you know, there's no discussion on these tapes about uh, his own involvement, Jerry Hutch's own involvement or, or the involvement of Mago Gately. Uh, despite the fact that he supposedly confessed uh, to Dowdall a month prior. And in relation to that, you know, they discuss uh, the individuals that may be involved. And Jerry Hutch is heard on the tape saying that none of the people involved in the Regency would have known each other. Um, but that the media perhaps have identified uh, Flatcap and the man in drag. Uh, again, the defence kind of put it to Dowdall. Well, why wouldn't he have, you know, at, at any point here discussed... Uh, you know, if he's saying the six people didn't know each other, well, then he's lying to you on the tape. So why is he lying to you here if a month prior he confessed to you about his own involvement and Mago Gately's involvement? I just thought that was an interesting uh, exchange. And how did Dowdall react to that? Well, Dowdall said they were two different things and that the conversation in the Jeep has really got nothing to do with what happened in the park. And that was kind of his explanation for that. Um, and then... Another kind of interesting thing was just in relation to the six hitmen that supposedly killed Eddie Hutch and attempted to kill Jerry Hutch. In the tapes, Jerry Hutch says uh, that those people would have to, quote unquote, go away. Um, I think the prosecution, that's going to be a huge line for them because it's one of the, um, I suppose, interesting lines from Jerry Hutch in the audio where he, he says something that, that is perhaps going to be picked up as being quite incriminating, uh, suggesting that, that individuals have to go away. But what the defence were interested in today, what Mr. Gretton grilled John the Dowdall about, was the Dowdall follows that up by say, by suggesting that there, there could be a list of people that could be put together um, and, and Mr. Gretton put it to Dowdall that this was uh, suggested by him, uh, a list of people to be executed. Um, and, and Dowdall kind of laughed and, and sort of said, um, well, sure, Jerry Hutch is an angel, you know, because you're putting, it, you're putting this to me that I'm saying these incriminating things, but you're ignoring what your client is saying on the tape. Uh, that was interesting as well. But again, he says he's talking shit to Hutch. He was trying to impress him. He says, according to you, I started the feud and I was involved in the Regency Hotel. He says, I had nothing to do with I, uh, either, um, that he didn't really know of the Kinnahans and that he'd never heard of David Byrne uh, until after he was killed. 
So, you know, Jonathan Dowdall is very much downplaying everything that he says on these tapes and the defence are spent, are taking their time. And I would really say that Mr. Gretchen is taking his time. Uh, he has said to Mr. Dowdall, am I going to have to go through all of the tapes? But I, I very much feel like um, he's he's keeping him there as long as he can and he's getting as much out of him because, you know, this this is an important witness for the state. There are many questions about his narrative and about what's said on the tapes and so i think mr grehan is taking his time with him and may well uh this could well go into january it, it it's supposed to wrap up on wednesday um but but, but sure look we'll see uh, what's your analysis having been there for the vast bulk of jonathan dowdell's evidence as to how he's holding up well, I, I can't read his mind, but I can only tell you that over the course of the last number of days, he has become increasingly frustrated. He has now on numerous occasions uh, given out about the line of questioning, uh, about uh, how long he's been there, how much longer am I going to be here, and about the threats to his family. On As we said on Friday, he said, you know, if this keeps up, he won't be able to stay here. He he, he is very much frustrated now. He's not, not just in his body language, but in what he's saying. Um you can tell that he doesn't really want to be there for much longer. He has to be there until Wednesday. Uh, but as I said, uh, this doesn't show any signs of, 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 of letting up anytime soon. He may well be called back into the witness box in January. Tell me, has he ever been uh, stuck for an answer? Has Brendan Graham ever asked him something and he just, he just, you know, he doesn't have an answer? Or does he come back quickly and stridently and confidently? Sometimes... Sometimes he does stop and he thinks, but yeah, he always has an answer. He doesn't always necessarily answer the question. That's been pointed out numerous times. He doesn't necessarily directly answer the question. He sometimes goes off on long tangents. But yeah, he always has, uh, to me, always appears to have an answer, uh, even if he spends a second or two to think about it. One thing that I did notice is he takes an awful lot of breaks. I think he took three or four little breaks today, apart from the lunch break that we had. So, you know, uh, he re- he requested those breaks. Um, so he, he very much, uh, you know, I mean, the judge has said to him that if he needs to take a break, he only needs to say it. Well, I think he took quite a number of breaks today. That was that was noticeable. Now, and look, I know you're busy. I know you're busy tweeting. I know you're busy taking notes. You're probably solving world peace at the same time. But uh, how, how does, do you get a chance to look at uh, Jerry Hutch himself? During this, is he is he concentrating on Dowdall? Is he throwing him daggers or what? Yeah, he, yeah. Well, Jerry Hutch is very attentive, and I would say seems quite relaxed. But he does he he looks at the transcripts as it's playing. He looks at everything that's being said. Uh, he reacts to some of the parts that are funny. I mean, there's a couple of funny sort of exchanges, you know, just banter between the two lads on the on the tape. And I mean, I could see him sort of laughing and smiling at that, you know, probably recalling some of the conversation and just maybe you know, thinking about it in a different light maybe now. But um, he looks at Dowdall, he looks at the transcripts and, and he, to me, he kind of sits back in the chair and seems somewhat relaxed. In stark contrast, I would say, uh, to the witness who keeps his head down, doesn't look at anybody and, and has become increasingly frustrated over the last six days. Okay, and, and how did it end today? Uh, well, it kind of finished up, as I was telling you, you know, um, we, we have more of the tapes to hear uh, in terms of, I don't know if we're going to hear all 10 hours again. Mr. Grattan is picking out portions, but, uh, you know, um, he does seem to want to play an awful lot of those 10 hour tapes to Mr. Dowdall again. And I don't know if we've even got halfway through that. So um, I anticipate we're going to have more of that again tomorrow. We'll have more of that Wednesday and then we'll see. So we've, we've got another, uh, probably a couple more days, maybe two more days left before Christmas anyway so uh, we'll see what happens the rest of the time but it, it's really really interesting Paul thanks very much for that 
fantastic reportage. And thanks everybody for listening and we'll be back again with another edition. Thank you. <laughs>